Welcome to the Upper Hand Sports Pod, where we sit down every week with some of the top coaches, trainers, and sports business managers in the industry. Hey, Upper Hand listeners, this is Corey and Tripp again. A very exciting guest. We have Ray Newland here today, and I'm actually going to let Tripp do a little introduction. Yeah, so today uh, we have Ray Newland. Ray is the face of the goalkeeping training industry. Uh, after a 10-year playing career in both England and Scotland, Ray shifted his focus to more of the teaching aspect of uh, goalkeeping. In 1999, he started his goalkeeping training company called Just for Keepers, and now his program has taught over 50,000 keepers across 30 countries and proudly groomed over 1,000 keepers to reach professional levels. Also, Ray has released a series of books focused on translating a sports mentality to daily life. Obviously, he's much more than just a former goalie, and we are very excited to pick his brain today on the podcast. Let's go. We got Ray, 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 Ray. (laughs) Great to be on board, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. Your podcast excited to share my uh, experiences and knowledges and help uh, you guys and, and, and obviously help the community that listen listen in to what you guys have got to say. Yeah, no, we're, we're definitely excited to have you. And we're going to start you off with a softball because, you know, the main focus of the podcast is what you've achieved, you know, after your playing career. But don't want to, you know, forget about the fact that you're an elite level goalkeeper yourself. So if you had to give us a best memory or experience from your playing career, um, what would that be? Dear me, uh, the best memory from my playing career um, was, I mean, let me think, there's that that many sort of funny funny moments, uh, but I'll probably pick one. Uh, I was actually playing for Plymouth Argyle against West Bromwich Albion, um, and West Bromwich Albion were actually getting promoted. I think it would have been into the Premiership at that time, Mm -hmm. so we we were near the bottom of the league, and West Brom were pushing for for promotion. Um, and we were actually winning. So obviously the West Brom, the West Bromwich Albion supporters um, were obviously going crazy because we were winning and it was like 10 minutes to go. Anyway, the ball went out for a goal kick for myself. And then just to quickly digress, as a professional soccer player, obviously we sign a lot of autographs, we sign books. Uh, one of the things that we always sign is, is a soccer ball. Uh, we've signed other crazy things, which I won't mention on this podcast, guys. We get <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, going back to this game, the ball's gone out uh, to, uh, out of play. I think we were winning 3-1 at the time, so I was obviously trying to kill time. So the supporters were going crazy. Next minute, I felt something hit the top of my head. And somebody, <laughs> somebody threw, uh, one of the supporters threw a pen at me. Um, so I thought, well, I'll have a bit of fun here with them. So I got the ball and I got the pen. <laughs> I, I mimicked and I shouted to the supporters, you know, who's the autograph for, please, guys? <laughs> Um, you've not lived until you've had <laughs> thousand supporters all simultaneously roar at you, all lean towards me and roar at me in like complete anger. For what <laughs> I kind of threw the ball, rushed, rushed, rushed me goal kick, it went for a throw in, and the referee come running over. Uh, I was thinking, what, what, why is the referee running over to me? Uh, and he actually seen what happens, and he was laughing, and he leaned towards me, and he went, uh, you won't do that again, will you, Ray? I went, nope. <laughs> I was years of age, I think, at the time. And, yeah, so that's probably, like, you know, one of the, the funniest moments I can remember, and something that, as I say, I'll probably, you know, I'll live with for a long time, just to, yeah, you've not lived until you've had 5,000 angry supporters. <laughs> all yeah, so I, real, I realise when, you, when you're winning uh, uh, a team uh, and obviously the supporters are not not happy, just leave them be. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, jokes on them now. I bet they wish they'd have gotten the autograph. They probably wish you'd have sent it up. <laughs> yeah, they could have sold it for at least two dollars. So. 
Hey, two dollars is not nothing. Uh, that's you right. got that many people mad at you for beating the home team. You're doing something right. Yeah, well, we we eventually went, went on to win four two, so uh, it was it was a good win, and we actually ended up West Brom actually went on to get promoted, and we actually ended up staying in the league. So it was not wasn't bad for the two teams in the end. Cool. All right. So we're gonna move on, kind of to, uh, into just for keepers. Um, so if you don't mind, can you just kind of walk through exactly what just for keepers is? You know what your philosophy is and what you guys hope to achieve. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a pleasure, guys. I mean, uh, well, first of all, I'll go back to when I was a young goalkeeper trying to achieve my dreams. So I was, you know, I, I wanted to be a goalkeeper, uh, a professional goalkeeper from about eight years of age, probably. But there was absolutely nowhere to go and get specialised goalkeeping coaching. Anyway, long story short, I eventually achieved my dream uh, to become a professional at 18 years of age. I had five or six years of, you know, going to mediocre goalkeeping coaches, all telling me that I wasn't good enough to become a goalkeeper. But eventually achieved my dream at age 18, and I actually ended up signing for a, who was a player coach at the time called Peter Shilton, who was the most, I think he's actually the most capped goalkeeper in the world. So obviously, so that was a massive moment for me to be, you know, for all these people, all these coaches, you know. And this is just a quick message for any, never, never mind any young, any young soccer player, uh, or if this goes to any young person that wants to achieve their dream in sport, whether it's baseball, lacrosse, American football, you know, if you've got a dream, don't listen to the negative because you'll always have people that will tell you that you're not good enough. Uh, and to me, I always had this thing inside of me that I was good enough. I had the right people around me, my family to say, look, you was good enough. And to me, it was a magic moment, age 18, 19 years of age, where I had six years of rejection of hundreds of people telling me that I wasn't good enough. And the most successful goalkeeper in history gave me a professional contract and with me being a goalkeeper myself that was just a special moment so that was so that so to me that stayed with me all my life that you know don't listen to the negativity in this world so hopefully any of your young listeners out there will hopefully take that tip and say listen it doesn't matter who says that you're not good enough as long as you believe and the right people believe you're good enough you know just don't listen to the naysayers and just keep chasing your dream so i was professional for 10 years uh loving every moment of it uh just come to me to my peak age 28 uh, i had a couple of really big soccer clubs ready to sign me and then boom a training ground injury finished my career uh, and it was over uh, so uh, uh, so I had, an, I had an opportunity to go and coach professionally but to me without going into too much detail guys i love being a professional soccer player love playing a goal love performing every week but i've got no time for people with big egos anyone who's arrogant and speaks down to people I don't want to have anything to do with them because I believe you should treat people the way you'd like to be treated yourself. Now, let's just say in professional soccer, it's full of egos. It's full of people. That, <laughs> people. And even though, I'm, the, as I say, guys, I'm the nicest guy in the world. I've got the longest shoes in the world. I've, no, got, I've got no problem telling somebody, you know, hey, you've got, you've got a bad attitude and that doesn't get you far, <laughs> you know, just to say. Yeah. So, I, so to me, I thought, you know, it's no point in me you know, obviously getting into professional soccer because I'll tell the truth and people don't like the truth sometimes. So, but then I was thinking, what am I going to do when my career comes to an end? And then I was shocked. I realised, you know, going back to when I was a youngster and, and there was no specialised goalkeeping training, I was shocked to see that 10 years on, there was still no specialised goalkeeping training for a young goalkeeper. The only place goalkeepers could go, you know, I was based in Liverpool, my hometown is Liverpool, uh, uh, in England at the moment, and based in, in Florida. Uh, but but uh, so, yes, yeah, so I was in Liverpool when I realised there was no specialised goalkeeping still after 10 years. So I wanted to change all that because goalkeepers 
at the time. They had to go cap in hand to like Liverpool, like all the local professional soccer clubs, Liverpool, Everton, Manchester United, Manchester City, etc. Uh, thankfully, it's all changed now, but like 20 years ago, uh, the soccer clubs used to treat the young players basically like, like cattle. It was like a conveyor belt. They were just putting them, training them, and the, the good ones would keep them, and the bad ones, they would throw them on the scrap heap. So I wanted to change. I wanted to change that. I wanted to change the goalkeeping world. So I wanted to create something where goalkeepers could come, no matter what the ability level was, and if they wanted to learn goalkeeping, they could come and learn it in a fun environment. They didn't have to go cap in hand to these big soccer clubs, uh, and that's how Just a Keeper started in 1999. I just wanted to create something different, and then it just exploded. Um, as I say, it completely. Well, when I say exploded, it took me sort of 18 months to to get it established. Um, because nobody was doing specialised goalkeeping coaching. Like in the US, where people are used to paying, you know, a lot of money for, you know, specialised coaching. In the UK, it wasn't the in thing when I started. So I was actually charging three pounds per session, guys, for like four dollars per session, and everyone's like, "Whoa, that's too much! You're you're ripping the children off." And I was like, "Whoa, guys, listen, I'm only I've only got six students here, and it's specialised anyway." Once the once people realised that it is specialised goalkeeping, and you know, uh, we're, we're in the US, you know, a parent will comfortably pay fifty dollars an hour for goalkeeping coaching. But I say in the UK, it's like, what five dollars? That's for, you know, they're all hype event, all hype event. It's just a different mentality in the UK. Uh, but thankfully, it changed. You know, mums and dads realised if they wanted specialised coaching, it had to be in smaller numbers. Uh, and actually, long story short, it, it just grew and grew and grew. It went national and then international. So basically, guys, my mission from when I started in 1999, and it's still the same to this day, and I'll explain what my mission is now in the United States. Uh, my mission is always to give young goalkeepers the, the opportunity that I never had growing up. So I've, I've been building just for keepers in the United States now for about four or five years. We've got a presence in about 25 states now. Uh, and I want to create a different environment for young goalkeepers and for parents where they don't have to go uh, to their local soccer club uh, to get goalkeeping coaching. Now, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, don't go to their soccer their, their club goalkeeping coach because, uh, you know, uh, I'd never disrespect any goalkeeping coach, you know, good or bad, any goalkeeping coach that's trying to, you know, improve a, a young goalkeeper's life. I've got the utmost respect for them, but with the greatest respect to probably 95% of soccer clubs in the USA, the goalkeeping coaches, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't say they were a goalkeeping coach with the greatest perspective. You know, uh, if they were in, so I've coached all over, the, I've coached all over the world. Uh, and again, hopefully this doesn't sound disrespectful, guys, but the majority of the goalkeeping coaches I've seen in soccer clubs here would not get a coach in other European soccer clubs. They just yeah. would not, they just wouldn't allow them to to, to coach because of the ability levels. Um, and as I say, I, I want to really stress, guys, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to that type of coach because I do respect any coach that tries to help any child. So so I wanted, what I want to do with goal, which is for keepers, is to have a, be an alternative, not only for parents and goalkeepers, but also for soccer clubs as well, to say, hey, look, you know, just for keepers, we're an independent goalkeeping organisation, and, you know, you can come and not only get additional training, it's the contacts. We've got contacts all over the world. We've got contacts with, you know, hundreds of colleges throughout the United States. So what my mission is in the United States is to say is to help as many goalkeepers achieve their dreams, whether to become professional or to gain a college scholarship through the network of goalkeeping coaches uh, that I'm setting up that I'm setting up here. Because the goalkeeping coaches that I've set up in 25 states now, whatever it is, it's not just the coaching that they, they get from just the keepers, it's also the contacts as well. Because right. that's where 
that's really important, guys, because you could be the best goalkeeper coach in the world or the best baseball coach, the best basketball coach in the world. If you've not got any contacts, how can you help your students? So Just for Keepers provides the coaching, but more importantly, a pathway, what I call an exit strategy through our contacts to help goalkeepers achieve their dreams. So sorry, a bit of a, bit of a long-winded answer, but as I say, that's that's it. That's obviously sort of my yeah. quick story about just the keepers, guys. So hopefully, all that made sense. <laughs> no, that, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, the things that you're doing, um, not only for athletes but then coaches in general. And I think we'll dive a little bit more into that. But I kind of want to go back to the beginning. Um, you know, back when in the UK, you know, you said your career was cut short at 28, so you kind of had to go to your plan B, and obviously the plan B worked out very well. Um, but what was the toughest part about getting just for keepers off the ground? I mean, you were going against, you know, those elite level clubs where most of the goalkeepers were going to. I imagine, you know, there's a little bit of pushback to that. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest challenge, guys, which I, I missed out, but I actually mentioned this in, in, in the books that I've written, uh, is that when I got injured, um, I had like two months left of my contract. And basically, the soccer club at the time would not have got away with it in this day and age. Uh, but he basically just threw me on the scrappy because my injury was a long-term injury. It took me 18 months to get fit. Uh, and any guy that knows that plays at a high high professional level, uh, you know, if you can't perform for 18 months, the game just passes you by. Um, and by the time I got fit, I was, it was too late. But in that, in that time, I never had any money. So within literally three months, I was broke. I was in debt. I was living in rented accommodation with my wife and the two children. got three children now. So the hardest thing for me was to, I had to end up getting a dead-end job. Now, the job ne never really bothered me, to be honest with you guys, because working hard has, has never been a problem for me. Working long hours has never been a problem for me. But what, what like, was soul-destroying is I went from a job that I absolutely loved with every fiber of my body. I was working with winners every single day, you know, living the dream to being in a job, you know, working 12 hours a day, shift work, with the greatest respect to my new workmates. They weren't the positive of people because... They, were, they hated their job. They didn't want to be there. So everyone was miserable. So I went from an environment, you know, from everyone loving what they're doing you know, and, and wanting to win, from everyone just wanting to moan, complain. So to me, that was 18 months worth of hell to think, because I, I just kept thinking, how, 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 have got, how have I managed to get here? What have I done wrong in life? All I've done is try, try, try. And I'm with the biggest, with the greatest respect to them, with the biggest losers, uh, you know, I've ever, ever, met, ever met in my life. And that's one of the reasons why, I've obviously created, uh, obviously, the, these other businesses to help current sports athletes, which we can speak about in a moment. But the hardest thing for me building a business, guys, was having to literally get up at probably four o'clock in the morning and, and, and I had to self-educate myself because I, I also knew it was goalkeeping. I also knew it was soccer. I had no qualifications to my name. I had no, in, in England, we call them uh, A-levels and O-levels. I mean, the only level I had was a spirit level. <laughs> so I had nothing whatsoever, guys. So I had to re-educate myself. So I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning and I was reading for two hours and put me, me, me walking on <laughs> and listening to the audio cassettes of like Tony Robbins and, yeah. you know, so at then six o'clock, I'd get in the car, get to work for seven, I'd work till seven o'clock. Uh, sometimes I'd get off at six, so I'd work all day and then I'd have to, change into my, not even go home, uh, change into my training kit and then go straight to the venue where I was building the Just For Keepers business. So the hardest part for me was uh, literally, uh, I was probably doing 18, 20 hours a day. Uh, and in terms of the competition, uh, yeah, obviously my competition was like Liverpool Football Club and Everton Football Club and Manchester United Football Club. Um, but uh, I 
never seen them as competition because, and I don't see anyone as competition, guys. To be honest with you, because I was I was always taught as a professional goalkeeper and soccer player, your only competition is yourself. So every day it was just I I was I was always competing with myself to be the best person that I could be. So to me, I actually never see any competition now. So it's even now when people say to me, "Oh, this new goalkeeping coaching school has started," and have you see, have you seen their new website? Have you seen that? I'm like, no, no. And they're like, "Well, you've not looked." I'm like, I'm not. I'm generally not bothered. You know, great, cool. If they, you know, competition. If they were, you know, um, I'm just, I was just generally not bothered about competition, guys. So to me, the biggest challenge actually wasn't. The, the, the clubs because I was always in competition myself. The biggest challenge for me was working probably probably 20 hours a day and still trying to find time for my family, which thankfully I managed to do. I mean, yeah, it's pretty incredible that you were able to kind of recover from your club kind of giving up on you and being able to develop this company to, um, as you said earlier, to make a life of a goalkeeper today better than your experience. Um, but why do you think clubs and like what they did to you is kind of just casting you off? Why do you think they do that to the goalie position in general, where there's not really that high value uh, placed on that position as you know the strikers or the midfielders? Yeah, I think it's I think it's um, I think it's actually changing. The times changing now, where I think you know at one time the the soccer clubs were, re- were realizing that. Oh, sorry, at one time the soccer clubs, you know. Uh, you only pay big money for the strikers, as as we know, guys. But now times are changing. You know, the teams are realizing that's the whole squad that's important. And now you've obviously got goalkeepers going for like ninety million, ninety million pounds, ninety million pounds, which is absolutely you know crazy, crazy money. I think when I think when clubs discard players now, and again, I'm guessing it's probably happening now. I think it's down more down for the character of the, the people and the management of the club rather than the position, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the club that I was playing for at the time, I don't think it would have mattered what position that I was hit in. Just the, the coaches that were actually running uh, running the, the soccer the professional soccer club at the time, they just they just weren't nice people. Uh, and I know that you've got to have it you've got to have a nasty edge uh, to, to, to to compete. Uh, but you sort of like, you know, again, thankfully it's changed you know, as I say, but, you know, when I played, it was definitely doggy dog. You know, everyone was everyone was on a one-year contract. It's not like a four-year contract now where, you know, you get a four-year contract and it's worth $5 million uh, or $10, 20000000 million. So what you've, once you've got one contract as a coach or manager or a player, you don't have to worry financially for the rest of your life. When I played professionally, it wasn't just me. It was the coaches and the management. Everyone was on a, like a one-year contract, you know, or, or a six-month contract. So everyone was always panicking you know, but you know, are we going to get the next contract? So it was literally dog eat dog. You know, you had no time to feel sorry for people because if you did, you're probably out of job yourself. So I think it was just more the mentality of how things were run when 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 I played rather than it, rather than being a goalkeeper. If that makes sense, guys. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree. I mean, it definitely seems like times have changed for sure when you see some of the transfer fees and stuff that come through. Um, what do you think about the position itself? You know, as as these youth programs develop, you know, whether it's in the UK or US, um, do you feel that you know the future of the goalie position um, not only has increased in value, but then also um, you know increased in skill level from what you're seeing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know if it's officially getting uh, if if the Germans are officially calling this the goalkeeper position now, but I I heard through the grapevine uh, towards the end of last year that in Germany they actually call they call the goalkeepers goal players now. 
Okay. Oh. So, uh, and I, 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 but I remember like when I played professionally, when the, when the, I actually, I actually remember the first season I played professionally, that's when the back pass rule come in. Uh, so you could you couldn't you could not pack a uh, you could not pick a ball up from a back pass. So before that, I could you know goalkeepers could pick up a ball, and it was amazing. Really, there was like so many amazing goalkeepers playing professionally at that time in England. But as soon as the back pass rule came in, within like one year, the, a, a lot was cleared out because they couldn't they weren't used to using the feet. <laughs> um, but for, like for me, I I I I was uh, I was quite lucky because my father always. Condition me to, you know, for, for like two, three hours a day, I'd be outside on the side of my wall, kicking the ball with my right foot on the wall. And when I come back, I'd kick it on my left and I'd just go right, left, right, left. I'd do that all the time. So when the back pass rule come in, to me, I, 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 I had a lot of success. Uh, but I think now moving forward, you know, looking to the way the goalkeepers are, are now, I mean, this is what we used to say many, many years ago. Uh, and it's only what the Germans are saying now, goal player. We basically used to say, when I played, goalkeepers have just become centre backs with hand. Uh, centre. <laughs> so, uh, as I say, but I think obviously what's happened now, uh, the big difference I've seen over the past few years is where obviously a lot of goalkeepers, you, you, you know, the, the, the management or the coaches would encourage them to kick the ball to the halfway line. So obviously, to the, you know, when I played, it was like you know, get the ball as far away from your goal as you can and there's less chance that your opponents can score. You know, but now it's a different mentality, you know, because if you kick a ball 50 yards, you could be giving it to the opposition. So, right. now, so now what you see now, goalkeepers, it's very rare they'll, you know, they'll kick it to the halfway line and beyond. So goalkeepers now uh, are more like the, the, st the start of an attack. Yeah. You know, you know ra rather than being the last line of the, of the defence, which they are, uh, a goalkeeper now is basically... Is, is the start of attack. So I think there's a, more, a lot more responsibility and a lot more skills a, a goalkeeper needs to have as well. So I think that's the biggest difference. The goalkeepers need to have a, be a lot more rounded skills because I say when, when you know when I started just for keepers, you know literally you know the professional soccer clubs that wanted goalkeepers, they'd always, they'd always ask me, you know, hey Ray, you know we want a goalkeeper that commands the area, you know come come for crosses. That's what we're looking for. But now it's all changed. Now they're all saying, hey, we want a goalkeeper that can distribute. Uh, you know, so so to me, I think the biggest change now, a goalkeeper has got to be a more rounded player now because they're basically, you know, the goalkeeper, the, the Germans say they're called goalkeeper players, but we they, we said it before, many years before them, goalkeepers are just centre-back with hands now. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I think, I mean, from my experience growing up playing uh, club soccer, I think that a lot of that comes from, you know, your first early couple of years, you're not actually just playing one position, you know, you're playing all over the field. So I think a lot of that, increased skill set is coming from that wider range of experiences earlier on. Um, but along with that, you know, coming from that academy thing where first couple of years I was always asked what position I wanted to play and it never came up that I ever wanted to play goalie because I was always terrified of ever making the mistake as a goalie because I think it's one of the rare positions in sports where your mistake has a direct negative effect on your team. You know, I think in a lot of other positions on the field or other sports, if you make a mistake, it's not going to directly put your team down a point so how do you um compensate for that factor in goalieing and when you do make a mistake how do you get over those mistakes yeah it's something i mean i i call goalkeeping a character building position uh because no matter when a goal goes in it doesn't matter uh whose fault it is the goalkeeper gets the blame <laughs> uh you know and and what what, what we try to educate goalkeepers in our just for keepers organization 
Uh, and again, you know, we do this, in, uh, this might sound disrespectful the way I'm going to say this, but we teach our students in a, a respectful manner. We say, hey, listen, you know, look, you know, when a goal goes in and your players and the parents, you know, and even, you know, I say, and even your coaches and management, when they blame you, so I'm, I'm only talking at grassroots level here, not professional level, guys. So what we educate our goalkeepers, we basically say, look, you know, when a goal goes in and you get the blame, you've got to realise that your players, coaches, managers and parents, they don't understand goalkeeping, you know, so they don't understand goalkeeping, uh, you know, so look, don't take it personal. They're only blaming you because they don't know any better. And we always we say as well, look, 99% of coaches you know, like who's the main coach or the main management at grassroots level, they don't understand goalkeeping, guys. And anyone that tells you differently that, you know, you know that if, if someone who's never played in goal in their life, you know, uh, and they've played, so, uh, you know, they've played soccer and they've become a coach and they say, oh, they really understand goalkeeping. They're talking out the backside, guys, pardon the French, uh, you know. And to, to, to make a point as well, obviously we all remember Arsene Wenger, who used to be, used to be, I think he was the Arsenal manager for five, was it 500 years? It's not my And he was getting interviewed once uh, on, on the Premiership TV, and he started the, the interviewee started asking Arsene Wenger about the goalkeeper, and he stopped the interview. He said, "Can you just stop me there? You need to speak to the, you need anything to do with the goalkeeper, and you need to speak to the goalkeeping coach because that's their that's their expertise, not mine." So you've got one of the most you know, long, well, I think he's the longest uh, premiership manager in history. He's actually saying, look, yeah, I, I, I'm the longest premiership manager in history. I know my game, but look, I don't understand goalkeeping. But then you get, obviously, parents and goalkeepers and coaches have got the, not, I wouldn't say arrogance, the ignorance to say, hey, we understand goalkeeping. So what we what what we what we educate uh, the goalkeepers to do t- to get over that guys is let them know, hey, listen, don't take it personal. The reason why a lot of the the, the, uh, the people are shouting at you is just because they don't understand. And then once a goalkeeper has been coming to just for keepers for three months or six months or eight, you know, I'd, I'd probably say it's six months, they probably know more than ninety five percent, maybe ninety nine percent of their their coaches. Uh, so. So, so again, hopefully that answered the question, guys. Okay, uh, so that that's how we that's one way how we educate our students. You know, by saying, look, you know, don't take it personal. You're getting the blame for someone who doesn't understand. And it's, it's something what we call trigger points as well. So, uh, what a trigger point is? It's all called different words, guys. But what a trigger point is? All top athletes use it. Um, we've actually got a trigger band in just for keepers. I think it was the the famous cyclist. Uh, I forgot his name now. A famous cyclist, uh, US cyclist, and you used to have a trigger band, uh, just like an elastic chat. Oh, uh, the Lance Armstrong, yeah. We got the idea from Lance guys, and so what happens is whenever he made a mistake, he'd, he'd flick the trigger band to make him realize, hey, forget about your mistake. You know, 99.9% of the stuff that I do is always right, and that trigger band just sort of reboots your, your, your mind to say, hey, listen, I am a great goalkeeper or a great athlete, just get on with it. So Again, you know, so we, we teach our students how to have trigger bands, uh, and it might not necessarily be a trigger band that they wear. So I'll just give you two quick examples. So again, hopefully to help, help any of your listeners out there. So for example, if a, if, a, if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, a trigger band could be they take, uh, they might take the wristband off the glove and then quickly put it back on again. 
you might, you, you'll see this at a professional level, guys. You'll probably go, ah, okay, that's why they do it. Whenever you see a goalkeeper make a mistake at a professional level, you'll see them go and kick the post. I don't know if you've ever seen that, guys. They'll go and kick, they'll go and kick the goal. Um, or you'll see goalkeepers will actually slap themselves as well. That's a, that's a trigger point, and that, all that is doing is rebooting your brain to say, hey, listen, forget your mistake. Get on with it. You're a bloody good goalkeeper. You know, statistically, I'll make one mistake in 20 games, for example, right? I'm not going to make a mistake now for another 20, at least 20 games. So we, so, so we educate our goalkeepers in that way. So hopefully, as I say, guys, I know that when, when I start speaking about the minds, I get a bit excited. So I do, I do apologize if I went, off, went a bit off tangent there. No, and that's something that, like you said, goes way beyond you know, being a goalkeeper. I think I'm gonna get myself a band every time I ask a dumb <laughs> question or get tongue-tied. We all laugh. It's okay. I, I've been, I've been, I've been snapping my bands every two, every, every two minutes here, guys. So don't worry. So. <laughs> no, you're you're fighting through. We had no idea, so it's all good. Um, so kind of focusing here on, on the end of the discussion with just for keeper. Um, you know, you said now you're in Florida. You're focusing more on the U.S. here over the last four or five years. So if we look, you know, let's say five years out, you know, what are you hoping to accomplish with kind of the business plan? Yeah, I mean, well, to be honest with you, one of my main, uh, pardon the pun, one of my main goals <laughs> is to actually open the very first purely goalkeeping academy uh, in the in the U.S. Okay. It's going to be a facility. Uh, now, I did actually have a facility here in Florida, but got let down by by the venue. So m- m- again, my goal will be to eventually, basically, probably build my own or or, or buy my own facility. Um, and then what the idea is there, guys, is that literally is goalkeepers from, uh, you know, from all over the U.S. can come. We can get, you know, professionally uh, coached by myself and obviously the the um, the guest goalkeeping coaches that I will be bringing in and the guest goalkeeping coaches that will be I'll be that I'll be bringing in will, will all have played professional or international, so they're getting taught by the by the best of the best, so to speak. Um, and then so the idea will be, as I say, you know, whether a goalkeeper wants to be to become a professional goalkeeper or gain a college scholarship, you come with ourselves to get to know us. We'll, we'll we'll obviously train them up. We'll also we also video everything as well, so we can help goalkeepers create their own five minute pro, you know promo uh, video, which we'll, we'll we'll do for free as part of them coming to see ourselves. Um, and then as I say, then you know because we've got such a really really you know good name around the world now. You know, any goalkeepers that come to us, they get to know us. We'll also put them on our website and we'll showcase them for free as well. Uh, and then any goalkeepers that we think have got talent, we'll, we'll then, con- we'll, you know, we'll then uh, obviously judging uh, based on what the goalkeeper wants to achieve. So if the goalkeeper, if we feel a goalkeeper is good enough to be professional, but their dream is to gain a college scholarship, we're not going to push them into being professional. We're going to say, well, that's your dream to become a college scholarship. To gain a college, to use your goalkeeping experiences to gain a college scholarship, we'll then ring up the goal, the coaches that we know and say, "Hey, listen, we've got a guy here. Uh, it's worth looking at." And so that's not our goal because just very quickly in the UK, when a professional soccer club wants a young goalkeeper for their academy, just the keepers is normally the first port of call because they know that we, you know, will only recommend. A good goalkeeper, and the reason why we only recommend a good goalkeeper, guys, people might, people think, oh yeah, it's for your reputation. Yeah, a part of it is for that. The biggest reason we'll only recommend a goalkeeper that we feel is good enough is for the goalkeeper's confidence, because we don't want to be recommending a goalkeeper somewhere, and we know in our heart of hearts that the goalkeeper is not ready, because it's going to destroy the goalkeeper's confidence. So, right. so we'll so we'll only recommend some, a goalkeeper that we know can do the job. So as I say, so in, in the UK, professional soccer clubs will ring us up because they know 
if they want a 12, 14, 18-year-old goalkeeper, if we recommend a goalkeeper, that goalkeeper will be ready. So I'm in the start of the process in the US for colleges and even professional soccer clubs. You know, if a goalkeeper rings just for keepers, for a goal. So we, we want to be the first port of call. When, I, when somebody wants a goalkeeper, they go, ah, just for keepers, like, like it is in the UK. That's my main mission because once I get that mentality, guys, once I've got that into soccer clubs or colleges where they go, oh, we, we want a goalkeeper, like let's call just for keepers. I've done my job then because yep. I've then got that exit strategy for the goalkeepers that want to achieve their dreams. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, like you said, you made such a big name in in the UK, and I I know you're already repeating that here in the US, and um, we're definitely excited for it, and we're very honored to have you, and just from this talk, you know, I I am pretty positive we're going to have quite a few people who want to reach out to you. Um, Go ahead, give us some plugs, and what's the website, social media, how can people get a hold of you if they want to be part of Just for Keeper, or just get advice from you in general? Yeah, I mean, literally, for for Just for Keepers in in the United States, it's 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 with a digit four. And that's just for keepers.com. Yep. And that's that's the coaching side of what we do. And for goalkeeping coaches, obviously, because not only am I on it, not only have we helped literally thousands of goalkeepers achieve their dream, but we've also helped hundreds, probably probably over a thousand goalkeeping coaches achieve their dream as well. Because how I look at it, guys, is like my mission, as I say, is to help as many young goalkeepers achieve their dreams. So if I can help a goalkeeping coach you know, build their own goalkeeping coaching business, then that goalkeeping coach goes on and coaches, you know, thousands of goalkeepers and those goalkeepers, you know, go on to do great things. To me, in my mind, I'm still indirectly helping those goalkeeping students, but through goalkeeping coaches by giving them, giving goalkeeping coaches my help, my experience, my my contacts. Um, so for goalkeeping coaches, uh, probably the best one to go to will be goalkeepercoachjobs.com. Uh, Cool. Yeah, I mean, you're basically goalkeeping uh, networking on steroids. Let's let's just say I'm a goalkeeping anorak. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, we really appreciate having you on. We look forward to having you again. Uh, maybe once you get that facility up and running, we'll kind of check back in with you. Um, but nonetheless, this was an amazing conversation. We were honored to have you. Thanks, all right. Thanks for having, having us on. Much appreciated, guys.